Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. That's bad. 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 The Dark Tower, everybody's favorite movie. Yeah, the motion picture event of 2017. Yep. Does that seem right? Uh, it doesn't even that doesn't even seem like the right year. Like it <laughs> kind of does because if you recall, our previous episode was on 2017's Power Rangers. Oh, that's true. So 2017, uh, I don't think was a great movie year. I'm starting to think, but I, I'm not. I'm not actually certain about that. I just I'm getting vibes. You getting know? some vibes, yeah. Um, Getting a bit of a shine, a little tingling. Yeah, let's I'm gonna, see. I'm gonna um, draw a bunch of pictures of Matthew McConaughey. So yeah, it <laughs> okay. Standing in front of his war game table. I just yeah yeah. <laughs> I just googled 2017 movies, and it's I would say mixed. Mixed is the word. I think movies a, like there, Life came out. I was gonna and say Logan. I think there's a Transformers in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's all right. It's a combination of some of the most mediocre films and then some pretty good films. It's like uh, Geostorm, which is great, you know. Uh, uh, Jeepers Creepers Three, Baywatch, Power Rangers, Alien Covenant, Logan, Rings, Jigsaw. Uh, so you you get the idea here, and The Dark Tower. The Dark Tower. Yeah, the movie we're talking in this episode of Adaptations. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, David Bell. I'm a second in number of your hosts, Tom Ryman. Yeah. And a uh, big thank you to Grumblebee. Grumblebee is thank our you. producer. Uh, they uh, <clears throat> asked us uh, We can say nicely. demanded. We can say demanded. They demanded. They demanded mm-hmm. that we... Well, they gave us a list, actually. They demanded. I, yeah. They gave us a I list of demands, like, Dave. Yeah, they did. I, I actually saw... The Dark Tower in the list. And I was like, ooh, let's do that this week. Mainly because it's a 90-minute film. It is a brisk 90 minutes. A, a, yeah. a, 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 a breezy 90-minute adaptation of Stephen King's 25-year epic fantasy yeah. story. It's a good candidate for this, Tom. Yes. I, I never read the books, but I know enough about them. I have enough friends who've read the books. Mm-hmm. Have you read the books? I have. Uh, okay, uh, good. I'm re- glad. Recently, too. And by recently, I mean within the last couple of years. But yeah. Sure. I read all of and them within the last couple of years. So the way we're going to break this down, uh, if people, if this is their first Bad Adaptations episode, is we're going to talk about what would make a good adaptation of this of this story. Mm-hmm. When where, What did this movie get wrong? And mind you, we, we sometimes have maintained that the movie didn't get things wrong. When we did Hulk, we liked Hulk for the most part. So yeah. my, this is all to say we don't have to, like, you, these aren't props, prompts to, like, shit on the movie if we don't want to. Um, next section is how does it hold up? 
the movie itself. Um, I, I'm not actually sure of how that's too different than what did this movie get wrong, but I do have some thoughts in that section. Well, one of and the, then, the, the first section is us sort of identifying what would make a good adaptation of this particular property, whatever it is. Right, and did this do that? Yeah, the second one is just like, how is it as a movie? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, adaptation then, notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, yeah, yeah. Does it hold up in general? Like, I, I was thinking, like, adaptation aside, how does it ho- hold up? Right, because, like, for and instance, then, I don't know if we're going to cover it, but, like, the Keanu Reeves-Constantine movie, not a great adaptation of the story. I love that film. Yeah, you could argue, like, The Shining. T- yes, very bad 100%. Adaptation. Terrible adaptation of the story. Great fucking movie. Great film. And then, finally, any just... Um, you know, final thoughts we have, any freeform things that don't fit into a neat little package can go in the final <laughs> things that don't uh, slide into a gun belt. Exactly. Yes. So what makes a good adaptation of this? I'm going to, I'm like I said, I haven't read the book, so I am going to be less, I'm going to be the sub here. You'll be the dom. I'll be the dom. You'll be the uh, sub. Yeah. Yeah. But as the Anna, Anna, Anna Beth Steele of this, um, Anna Beth, name? Anna, no. Anna, what's her name? Wait, from what? That? Oh, from 50, 50 Shades. Shades of uh, Anastasia. Anastasia. You, you went. Steel. You didn't go hard enough with that. Annabeth is too plain. It's got to be even more over the top, Dave. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm just gonna throw this out. One imagines what would make a good adaptation of this is something that isn't 90 minutes. Correct. Uh, perhaps a mini series. Perhaps several films, like a Lord of the Rings. Because the one thing I know about the Dark Tower more than anything is that it is. Uh, it is uh, long. It, <laughs> it is. is an epic. It is. It is an epic yeah. by every definition. It's got a million different ideas in it. Uh, some of them are great. Uh, some of them aren't great. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's you know, King. it's a Stephen King story. He started writing in 1970. It didn't get published until 1982, and he wrote at it off and on for the next 22 years. I think the last book, uh, book seven, The Dark Tower, finally got published in 2004. Um, it's this really, if you've never read it, which I'm assuming a lot of people haven't, Stephen King himself has frequently talked about when he goes and does book signings, he'll be like, okay, how many people here are fans of my books? And they'll raise their hands and be like, okay, how many people here are fans of the dark tower? And he says like, invariably, it's always like a very, very small number of people. So even wow. within Stephen King fans, not a lot of Stephen King fans have read the dark tower. Right. Um, because it's kind of it's intimidating it's a seven book thing it's really weird it's like some of the weirdest storytelling he's ever done it's very um, it's very meta it's very time loopy there's multiverses and alternate dimensions we might actually be better primed for dark tower now because it deals so much with multiverses and alternate earths yeah i had a question um and not to get too much in the movie but there's a heavy implication that uh, the Dark Tower deals with Stephen King's, I want to say, Upside Down. Where is, like, it's Stephen King... It, that's, this is the vibes I get, the, the, I'm guessing here, is that it seems like it explains where a lot of the other supernatural elements in his other books come from. Yeah. Is this other universe... Sort of. Uh, it's from these yeah. other worlds. So, like, yeah. Um, like, Pennywise comes from the same beyond the the dimension that they talk about in this movie. Right. That's where that alien comes from. Um, 
yeah so like definitely a, a good adaptation i would agree yeah the the best way to do it would to be to do it as a i would even not say a series a mini series i would just flat out say a series yeah if like I were, three to if, four seasons yeah. of a netflix show or something like <laughs> yeah if if i was if i was um mr netflix owner of the netflix Empire, yeah professor netflix yeah professor netflix I'd, I'd grab Michael Flanagan and others, not just Michael Flanagan, but you, I'd get a bunch of horror people and I'd say, you know what they failed to do with the Conjuring universe? We're going to do that with the Stephen King universe and we're going to make a, a television show of the Dark Tower and then we're going to make a bunch of movies that like cinematic universe Stephen King, <laughs> but not not in any you know not in a dumb way in the way that these all movies kind of already do, where yeah. it's like oh he's got The Shining that's what The Shining is like which I assume is what they have in um, <laughs> Dreamcatcher you know what I mean like whenever there's like a psychic or magical person I'm assuming it's all from the same magical source um, like Carrie I always assumed Carrie had whatever like probably. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so you just you tie it all together a little more cohesively and have a cinematic universe that is again not really connected. Like there's no equivalent of like Thor coming into one movie and then there's no like Thanos or big together movie. But you know what I'm saying here, which is like it's all thematically and like visually the same world and like there's hints that it's all connected you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like if a character is in multiple stories it's played by the same actor and so on yeah uh and i just i it's really weird to me that uh, you know P- professor netflix or dr hollywood hasn't like sat down and just done this you know and this felt like the dark tower felt like an attempt uh which we'll get into but not a very good attempt not a very uh a half-assed attempt i would say really un under realized I'll, I'll definitely say that um yeah but i yeah in terms of an adaptation of the dark tower i always imagine it is sort of like the backbone that like like that in the stand almost where it's a, all the apocalypse the end game of this bigger universe of like fucking monsters and magic right yeah it's Lovecraft. It's Lovecraft shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, Where it's all kind of the same universe. Yeah, it's that. And boogans. it's also, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the shared universe of Boggins is. Um, yeah. It's also, it's, I mean, I think we've already said it, but it's Stephen King's Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's very, very, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's a, the story is about Roland, who is pretty clearly, I mean, he's King Arthur, uh, and he's also uh, Aragorn. Um, he puts together a fellowship to walk to a tower. I mean, yeah, like sure that's does. what the story is. Yep. So, um, yeah, it just, this movie, the the main thing that this movie fails at capturing is the epicness of how the Dark Tower feels, at least when you're reading it. Like, it's so just, dense. Like I said, it, it spans uh, a quarter of a century of Stephen King's uh, life just sitting and writing it all fucking down. Um, right. It's this huge, huge, huge story that's, like I said, it has good parts, it has bad parts, it has some really bad parts, um, but it's all it's all weird and it, it goes to wild places that you can't predict. Um, I would argue that's yeah. every Stephen King, right? Thanks to a, a little friend named Cocaine. <laughs> uh, there's always at least one part in every Stephen King book where you go, what the fuck? <laughs> where you're just like, come on, man. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I don't know how under the influence of whatever he might have been at any point during writing this. I know he wrote a a good chunk of it after he was sober. Um, but uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's anyway. I just I don't want to go on and on. Well, um, yeah, let's go into what like, the movie got wrong. Right? Yeah, that's the main thing to me is that it, it a ninety minute Dark Tower movie should make everyone's eyebrows go up. It's like, yeah, really? I remember again knowing knowing little about it when this was first announced. It was like okay, casting amazing. I'm sorry, how long? <laughs> 90 minutes. Okay. Like, it feels like I'm guessing a lot was cut out, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Because there, it's actually kind of confusing the movie. Uh, the movie's very confusing. In general. Yeah. And, and so it feels like what happened is that they didn't commit, right? And then they got to a point where someone said, well, let's at least not waste their time. Like, this is a, this is a tragedy. We fucked up. Let's at least make it 90 minutes. Like, that's what it feels like, where it was like, Okay, well, if this is a two and a half hour abomination, that's worse yeah. than a 90 minute abomination. Mm-hmm. So that's what it feels like. And I kind of appreciate the movie for that. That it's just like, okay, let's just wrap it up. Uh, because going into what the movie got wrong, even if it was two and a half hours, it feels very small. Uh, th- was there a special boy in the plot of the book? Not really. Okay, because that's the other thing. It This feels like it's not actually an adaptation, right? It's supposed to be like a sequel or something? It plays like a sequel. So, like, the way without... I mean, it's... Hmm. Um, the way the story works is it's... Uh, I don't know if cyclical is the correct way to describe I'm it. Awa- but, yeah, I am aware of that. But it ends, it ends with the beginning. So, like, he gets to the Dark Tower, he walks to the door, and he's back at the beginning of the Gunslinger with no memory of what just happened. And it's, it's sort of like his charge, basically, is to do this over and over and over again. Yeah, it's to like keep, purgatory. Yeah, to, to keep the tower standing, basically. At least that's how I interpreted it. Right. Um, that it's like, yeah, that's... Time isn't necessarily looping, but his he's looping. Like, in what? No, it is. Uh, oh, okay, it is. Yeah, uh, or at least... He might be and, okay. he might be reaching out to these because all he always brings all the same people together, but he might be reaching out to them in like multiverses and alternate. Re- I think that's actually true. So I think you you might actually be right that it is just him. But anyway, um, okay. Well, I need okay. Uh, so by the way, we we should have done this at the beginning. What is this story, <laughs> Tom? Okay. Um, so I think can I guess? Can I make yes, a guess? Yes, please do. All right. There's a big old tower. Mm-hmm. Um. And if the tower is destroyed, uh-huh. then the this underworld, this this Mortal Kombat realm, outer world uh, is more uh, appropriate. But outer yeah. world uh, merges with our human uh, Earth Keystone, as they call it, Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this man in black, who is some sort of villain, one could call him the devil, uh, is trying to bring upon the apocalypse. By, and this is what they absolutely don't explain, kidnapping psychic children with the shining and using their shining uh, in some sort of negative way to harness their power to topple the tower. And for whatever reason, never explain the tower is basically the only thing holding together this world so it doesn't break into our world. Am I in the ballpark? Yeah, no, you've got it. Okay, and that's the book as well. Sort of. 
Like it's it. it's it's a super simplified version of it. There's actually multiple towers, I think, because uh, it's basically like a wheel, and the dark tower is the one at the center holding everything up. But there are like like points that would be like the outward spokes or whatnot. Anyway, we don't need to get into right. all that. <laughs> but like we don't. But we don't. But like it is important to know like. What was this story supposed to be about? Well, the dark. Uh, <laughs> so the the dark tower holds up all of existence. Uh, all of the as Roland describes it in the movie, it very briefly. But it's basically all you really need to understand. But it is still kind of confusing. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, you're. you're I mean, you're 100 percent correct. That is right. <laughs> That's it. And what is Roland? Not Roland. Walter is the man in black. Walter. Walter O'Dim, I believe, is his name. <laughs> Okay, is it in the book too? Yes, but usually they just call right. him the man in black. What does he want? He's going to rule? Uh, he just wants chaos. Like in the story, they don't introduce it in the movie, but you can see it like in graffiti. You'll see graffiti that says like all hail the Crimson King. And there's a couple of references that you'll see in the background to the Crimson King. Um, it's like a true detective thing. That's the king in yellow, but yeah. Uh, sure. It's the same basic idea. It's, it's all this, the same. It's this Lovecraftian Boogans who... Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Well, McConaughey's actually working for him. Or it. Got it. More, more accurately. Um, who's just... That would more accurately be the devil. Or like some crazy eldritch being that just just wants to exist in chaos. And it's, there's this one pocket of infinite worlds that it can't get at. And it's driving it crazy. So it enlists... Uh, people like uh, the man in black to help it knock down the, the tower so it can get in and 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 have a little chaos party and eat all eat, eat, eat everybody I guess I don't know okay man. okay what is evil yeah, do that's what all it we does it's know. just it's 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 a vague evil like that's, this seems that's like, what it is yeah this seems like a really cool story that could have had a cooler is there a tech is there tech in the books yeah it, basically the ba- the best way to describe it is um and i'm sure there's a king head some real dark tower fans out there who are screaming at me for getting some details wrong i'm doing sure. um, to the best of my memory um roland's world which is called midworld is is an alternate earth it's an earth parallel um only his earth is like centuries after an apocalypse so he's basically living right. in he's living in horizon zero dawn where like yes. so much time has passed that they don't remember what these buildings are or were for yeah it was that, that's like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's not much of the movie. No, they actually most of the story takes place in Midworld in the, in the books. Uh, but in this movie, which actually I think is one of its strengths as an adaptation, uh, because wandering through the wastelands in the books gets really boring. And it kind of it kind of makes some of the books gets boring in this movie too. Yeah, it, it's kind of a slog to get through it. But like when Roland comes through into our world, we get all the fun little interactions, and that's like when that's like when more of the character stuff happens. So I think it was yeah. one of the things this movie does smartly as an adaptation is take set more of the story in modern world, so we get like more fun beats with Roland and Jake. They yeah, they crocodile done. Yeah, you crocodile done the um, end. It's fun. But like that doesn't seem like the book. The book is like you said, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and and so but it's they supposed to be this they long do, epic. Dave, with again, <laughs> let me tell you, they do cross over into modern world, and let me tell you, nine eleven is a major plot point. <laughs> yeah, sweet. <laughs> but again, there's no special boy. Uh, in I the don't. Book. I don't it's, think so. I think it's, it's more... very weird that this is Artemis Fowl. Kind of, like yeah. 
I, I don't rem- I don't think that it's specifically children, but they do have these little uh, facilities um, basically in well, maybe it's not in their it's like in their version of Gondor, I think, because they also right. have a version of Mordor where they go in and everything's just fucked. And that's where the Dark Tower is. Um, but they do have like this facility where all of his little rat helpers, I forget what they're called. Um are strapping like they they are using people with the shining and with psychic abilities to drive these engines that is is knocking down right. all the towers. So that that that's is not like in a the story. major part of it. Yeah, I mean that's their plan. Like that's what they're doing. Right. Uh, but it is it does feel weird that this is from the point of view of a child, right? Right. Like, that it, doesn't seem right. Jake is not the main character of the story, even though he's a okay. he's a major character. Um, but it's Roland's the main character. But I think. I will say that I actually don't think that that's necessarily okay. Uh, this is all paving. You don't think that's what they got wrong? No, I think this is my spiciest take that I can have about this movie. I think this movie adapted the Dark Tower as a YA story, and I think that's not a bad instinct because if you break the Dark Tower down into like it's there's like I said, there's so many ideas in it, but if you break it down right. to its main ideas, it is kind of just a YA story. <laughs> That's like, interesting. Cause it's, it's a, it's all about hidden worlds within our own. And like, you know, it's Harry like, Potter. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very Harry Potter to the point where the, Harry Potter actually bleeds into it in one and wolves of the Kala. I think the sixth book, I think, uh, so does Dr. Doom. It's fucking wild. Stephen King himself is a character. <laughs> Amazing. Stephen King writes his own accident where he got run over by a minivan. Is he also writing the books in it? Yes. He has. Then they, it becomes a plot point where they have to protect Stephen King from being killed. <laughs> I mean, I love that because, because well, I, I actually almost wrote something similar in a script uh-huh. um, because the idea is when you get to like Eldred shit, when you get to like, these like unknowable, like vast, weird, right, uh, uh, surreal concepts. It has to. It almost fundamentally has to become meta. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I love that idea. Like in the mouth of madness, yeah, is a very good example yes, 100%. of a of a horror of something going meta in a way that you're like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. In, in, so, point of, in point of fact, in the story, Jake is killed pushing Stephen King out of the way of the minivan. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, I I almost imagine this movie or this world as being actually more like in the mouth of madness, which just feels like that's a commentary on Stephen King as well, right? Um, it's definitely written more like that. It's more it's more horror, even though the book isn't. I wouldn't classify it as horror. It's like dark fantasy, but there is obviously because of right. Stephen King, there's a little horror in it. So it's not, this movie is like the PG 13 kid friendly version of it, but I don't feel like at adapting it as a YA story was necessarily the wrong instinct. <laughs> no, <clears throat> but I do think that you have to ask this question, right? When you're adapting something mm-hmm. where you stand back and you go, who is this for? Right. And, <laughs> and when you, and when you adapt, say the hunger games, that's for an audience that also read The Hunger Games. Right. Um, <clears throat> doing this and being like, well, yeah, we want kids to see it. Bad instinct. I, but I, yeah. I do think you're right that using the structure of YA and then just making it actually more adult might have been a better instinct, right? Yeah. Like, had they made a longer miniseries 
made it actually fucking gnarly, and then also structured it like a young adult story. Mm-hmm. All those combinations, it might have been quite good. And I also like a, like a Stranger Things almost. Yeah, yeah. I also think that what they've done by making this essentially a sequel, like this this movie takes place after the 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 last book, basically. Right. Um, which, if you're a fan of the book, you'll notice because you can see that Roland has the horn of Eld on his back, and that's that's only going to make sense to people who read the book. But so you know that this is like after the the book, so it's not actually an adaptation; it's a sequel. I think that's a good idea because yeah. the books are so dense, um, and the book kind of ends with this real bleak. But cool idea, but very bleak. So, like, this movie is like, well, let's have Roland break the wheel with this movie. So it's a little less bleak. And then by making it a sequel, you can sort of focus on the more important plot points and kind of, like, whittle down some of the other stuff. Because, like I've, I've said already a few times, there are a zillion ideas in this series. There's so much. Yeah. So it's like you really, I think making it a sequel and kind of, using Jake as the entry point instead of telling it from Roland's point of view. And Jake shows up immediately anyway. He's in the first story and he's a major character throughout. So it's not like that weird. I Um, also know why they did that, which is smart is that they, it's actually really smart. Um, Unfortunately, the movie's bad, but you start with a character who represents the audience. Exactly. Introduce them. Like that's what they were doing. Um, I want to merge to the question, how does this hold up as a film, if that's all right? Yeah, sure. Because I want to, I want to nail down exactly the problem with this movie. Because uh, 90 minutes as an adaptation, bad idea. You're saying they did have a lot of good instincts in this movie. I would say what really so. looks... Yeah, I say the production design of this movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, the world looks good. But ultimately, I think there's one word to sum up this movie. And let me know if you agree. Mm-hmm. The word is forgettable. Yes. And so I asked the question, what makes this movie forgettable? What makes a movie forgettable? And what makes this not work? Uh, despite the source material being so rich. Like, it's so wild that someone read all these books only to produce a 90-minute, extremely forgettable film. I think... I have a theory. Well, I mean, not, I don't have a theory. This is what I think makes this movie not hold up. Um, even though I enjoy the movie while I watch it, I always forget that it exists. Um, right. It trims everything down so much that, like we said, it's confusing, so the stakes aren't clear. We're not entirely yes. sure what anybody needs to be doing at a given moment. Um, the character deaths that occur, with the exception of Catherine Winnick, with the exception of Jake's mom. Um, Jake's hot mom, Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, he, he gets bullied for that hot mom. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he gets, why do you think the that kid, kid is a hot mom? Why do you think that kid's hanging out with him? It's not because he's his friend. It's because he's got a not. hot mom. Yeah. Um, it, it, the character deaths that happen, we we don't know these. We've spent so little time, especially like Roland's dad. Like we don't give a shit about Dennis Haysburg because we don't know him. Um, yeah. He says two lines and then he dies, and then that's supposed to we be like we don't care about. Roland's lawn. motivation. Why would we care about Lon? He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but we like, don't care about anybody. When they go and visit that like that village, I'm like, I don't give a shit yeah, about you any of this. You don't know any of these people. So it's like, yeah. we don't know what the stakes are. We don't really know like what the state of Roland's world is. Uh, yep. We're given very never, little information of that. Yeah. They never make Jake uh, likable. 
They never show Jake like, I'm just a normal kid having fun. Like, they never give him that Harry Potter treatment. They never do anything to make us, like, we, we know, okay, this is the main character. Yeah. But they don't, he's not that likable. Roland is pretty much the only likable character, and he's still, like, kind of an anti-hero. He's, like, funny because he's so serious. Right, uh, and he's not in the movie that much. He is, he certainly like, it is. Ta- it, takes, it takes about, I want to say, t- man, almost 30 minutes before Roland's actually in the movie. Um, right. Maybe it's not that long. Uh, I mean, they've got, uh, yeah, th- I, th- I think that's the main problem is in order to make it 90 minutes and in order to, to sort of trim ever- trim out all the fat and make it move along at a, a, a pace that they figured was acceptable for a movie like this, they sort of eliminated any reason for us to care or any way for us to get really attached to most of these characters outside of Mm -hmm. Roland and Matthew McConaughey, who I will say is probably the strongest thing that this movie does is it's casting, right? Casting Roland and the man in black. And yeah, I, I, so I think this needs a Deadpool, right? Yeah. They need to make a mini series. They need to keep the casting, all the casting. Yeah. And they just need to do a better job because even Matthew McConaughey though, it did feel like he was phoning it in a little bit. And it's probably because he's like, what the hell? You know, like, it, 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 like it, it's such a disservice to the casting and, and the look of this that it's such a forgettable story. Mm-hmm. Like, McConaughey should be more memorable as this villain, even though while you're watching it, I do think he is well done. I love the way they do he it. He is. I love the way they do his magic, where he just kind of commands people to do things and it happens does well he has the one he commands people to stop breathing mostly well he says burn he says talk that's um he has a couple but his like finisher his finisher is stop breathing stop breathing or kill each other Uh, like i love i love what that scene hate he says to a little girl hate and then we never really see what her her eyes get black and she looks at her mom like fuck you so i guess he's probably just just ruined that child's life probably i Um, I still want to see it but, like, an example of one thing this movie does really well, uh, and I wish the movie as a whole was more memorable, is the scene where he's sort of talking to his uh, two subordinates, and they fucked up, they lost the kid. So as he's getting up to leave, he says, kill each other. And then to the rest of the people in the middle of the restaurant, he says, watch. And everybody stands up and turns and looks at the um, right. people uh, killing each other. And it's really creepy, and it's really well done. And I think that's such a cool idea to uh, such a cool way to handle magic that doesn't and i know why you do it right it's so like well we don't want to make a special effect every time he waves his hands how can we do that in an interesting way it's like well oh, what if he so just much better yeah. yeah what if he just says something chilling and they do literally what he said that's a it's cool great. idea yeah i do wish for matthew McConaughey. i wish he mcconaughey it up a little more does that R- make sense yeah he's very he's playing it so like traditional classic bad guy that he's not really having much fun with it. He's not having that much fun. Yeah. That's why, that's why I was like the great casting. I feel like he phoned it in a little bit, bit because he's just sort of generic villain. There's a lot of good. Yeah. Like the magic is great. And again, he, like him, it's perfect. Yeah. It's just like, it doesn't feel like he, he needs to be more of a dude, right. more of a McConaughey. The, and the weird thing is like, ri- as written that the man in black is like the man in black yeah. is very like, uh, he's, he's a little zany. He's always taunting Roland. He's a little bit jocular. Like he is, a, he is a McConaughey type. Right. 
but so yeah, but they play I, him I in this like he was such very similar a, to yeah. the the devil in the stand. That's I don't know if that's the same character, but that, I, uh, that was oh fuck. I think Flag shows up in probably uh, he must in Dark Tower, but I can't remember if the Man in Black and Flag are the same person. Right, I just see them as the same general type, and that is a Matthew McConaughey type. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it is weird that, yeah, we didn't get enough of that. Um, going back to what makes it forgettable, I think another big part of it is that it, it doesn't commit to anything. Yeah. We said the idea that, like, PG-13, this should have been horror. This should have had, like, I, I should have saw his mom light on fire. Uh, the creatures are very generic. They're just like these kind of slithering dog things. And then there's like these orc-like people. And I don't know how the book describes it, but it's just like I needed this to feel like a horror fantasy. Yeah. And it feels more fantasy. Epic horror horror. fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then there's stuff where it's like, I don't know how, I I can't tell how strong the gunslinger is. He goes to the hospital in one scene and another scene, he falls down a building into a bus and then gets out of it. No problem. And then Matthew McConaughey puts some rubble on him and they're like, oh no. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the bus seemed like a big deal too. Like there's an inconsistency in the mortality of the character. A little bit. I chalked that up to his injury that he goes to the hospital for is he got stabbed by an eldritch beast. Right. So, like, he got, still, he got hurt by something on his power level. Sure. But then, like, the rubble. Yeah. The, you know, like, the bus. Uh, I don't know. It, it, again, it's a lot of not explaining things. Um, and I would also argue this has a lot of cliches in it. Oh, the yeah. The fact that it opens with a dream foreshadowing, like, exposition dream, not good. Even though the dreams are a part of it, that's still a huge cliche. So many movies have that like dream right, intro. and so much of like determining what it is they need to do next is just Jake has a vision. Oh, we yep. got to go here now. Yeah, it's, yep. it's like it's not and much. Then, it's not very engaging storytelling when that's all it is. Right, and then even if it is the book, it's the special boy stuff where it's like he's powerful. Oh, he's more powerful than we thought. Oh my God, he's so powerful. And it's like, yeah, I get it. He's a fucking Harry Potter. Um, It's just, it's balanced on so many like generic cliches that it's actually easy to like confuse this movie with other movies. Yeah. Like you might, you might remember a scene from this movie and then think it's what's in like the lightning thief. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it all looks for the most part, very generic. They don't lean on the stuff that like, for example, the horizon zero dawn world they should have leaned on that way harder. I, th- I think they don't realize what they had with that. Yeah. Or th- maybe the budget angle of it scared them. Because this movie... Maybe. I think originally had a higher budget. And then like as production went on, it got cut down and down into... I, I don't know what right. it is now, but it was less than $100 million. Um, and then I'm almost yeah. positive anyway. Um, and so like... It mostly just looks generic, that, that, mm-hmm. that world. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's fields and mountains and then like, you know, dusty A couple planes. of tents. Yeah, we get to see the amusement park. Um, yeah, it should have been more shit like that. Right. And then that weird fucking Dementor or the whatever it is that shows up. I don't know what that was. He never really explains it. This motherfucker, this, the, 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 the dad trap, I called it. It's dad trap because it, it just keeps uh, showing up as dad's. Oh yeah, it is a real dad trap. Yeah, it is. It's a dad sim, 
and it's just like, hi, I'm, I'm your dad. And, and he's like, hi, dad. And then he says, darkness and fire. And I was like, that's silly. And then he turns into a blob. And then like each silver shoots at it a couple times. And then it turns into his dad. And it's like, okay, so this is like a dad. Yeah, it's dad trap. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, that thing's not your dad. And then they just sort of bounce. And then a monster comes out of it. And I was like, I don't know what any of this is. You need to explain. Yeah. There need to, needed to be rules. You know, like I needed to know, like, how does this magic work? Does it have limitations? What is the world? What are the threats? It feels like it just throws a lot of stuff at you that if you were, if you, if like watching this and I, I pretended there were no books, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I couldn't fall back on like, oh, I'm sure they explain it in the book. And when you explain, when you do it that way, it's like, this is madness. This is monkey business, you know? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I think that might be the best way to watch this movie is to just pretend it's not based on anything. Right. And then it's kind of boring in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this is like this witch's brew of forgetfulness, you know? Yeah. Where it's, it's like cliches, in like not explaining enough, very generic looking character, like, or it, no characters that we glom onto, generic looking creatures. I, it reminds me, and this is interesting because I actually think this movie, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I think this movie I'm about to reference is, was actually much more successful at both as both an adaptation and a movie. But this reminds right. me a lot of the Masters of the Universe movie <laughs> because that's a good, that is very good, yeah. right? Yeah, because they take this epic sweeping storyline about this uh, cool ass sci-fi fantasy landscape with all these cool ideas and visuals and stuff and throws all that shit out the window <laughs> to drag right. these characters into the modern day to have a very forgettable special boy story. Yeah. Um, and then I know Master of the Universe isn't really a special boy story, but like it reminded me of that in terms of why would you make this the adaptation of that property? Like there's you've condensed it into such a small box when it's this huge epic thing. And you picked just like a couple of streets in New York city to, to single out as for, for the most part, even though I, even though I said, I I think it was smart to have Roland spend more time in the contemporary world. I still think that's smart for a movie. That's 90 minutes, but it's a good idea. Yeah. But but like it, it, yeah, it feels so small in scope. It, the the part the crocodile Dundee part, which is the best part of the movie, yeah, it's two scenes. Yes, it's him saying you have forgotten the faces of your fathers to two uh, ladies on the bus who are re- reacting appropriate to seeing Idris Elba, because uh, they're just like, hey, let's fuck this guy. You want to fuck? Yeah, um, because it's Idris Elba, right? And then the hospital scene where it's very Thor. It's a very Thor. It's extremely scene. Thor. Yeah, <laughs> and those are delightful scenes. There are maybe 10 minutes of the movie might, might not even be. And then the movie is so totally weird that it's, we also get the, your mom was lit on fire scene. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's like it, it, those were great scenes, but they also don't feel like they fit with the rest of this grim ass movie, mm-hmm. but then not so grim that it's gory because it needs to be PG 13. So again, it feels like it didn't commit to a tone. Uh, it didn't really commit like, to anything. It didn't. Not at all. So, in in attempting to trim this story down into the most important elements uh, and then commit to them, it didn't actually commit to them. It just trimmed it down to a few elements and that's For it. For sure. Yeah. It, it, and it's like, 
this is the, what Marvel gets right. Because Marvel spends time. It spends time on what it needs to spend time on, right? Like, this is the kind of story that if Marvel did The Dark Tower, it would be ten movies long. Um, and there would be funny sequences that felt earned because they take the time to tonally shift. Like, I would argue what, um, you know, I, I have a lot of critiques of Marvel, but one thing they're, they're for the most part, not always good at, obviously. I'm going to say the, the Avengers movies, the, the new ones. Um, they're very good at taking their time for those tonal shifts where, like, you can laugh, and then five, ten minutes later, you can have an emotional sequence. Um, you can feel bad for a raccoon, you know, because they do the work. They've set it all up with so many movies. But this, it's like this gunslinger uh, being funny in New York is funny, but I'm not, I'm not going to ever feel for him as a character because you gave me 90 minutes. Yeah. And you're introducing so much. Yeah. So much. Yep. And it's like, I need 90 minutes just to understand the fucking world we're in. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to is it's, it's too much. Um, it, it feels like somebody grabbing you by the, the, the collar and shouting a bunch of stuff at you for 90 minutes and then letting you go. Yeah. Like I, what was any of that? Right. And I would argue also, by the way, this concept is fundamentally funny and that doesn't mean it, it can't be good, but there's something very funny about there's a sorcerer that I'm trying to stop. How are you going to stop him? Oh, I'm going to shoot him. Like, mm-hmm. Really? With a yeah. gun? Does that work? And it's like, yeah, but it's really hard. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's just really hard. It's really difficult yeah. to shoot him. That's just something funny about a sorcerer versus guy with gun. Uh, that's never not funny to me. Yeah. But I, I like it. You know, I know what he's doing. You know, I know the, the, the aesthetic he's going for. Um, but like, yeah, it's a world that is a little silly, a little intense. And so it's like, yeah, you kind of need to. This has to be done really well. Uh, and not recklessly in the least. And this was done so recklessly. Yeah. This was really, it really felt thrown away. Really did. And it's wild that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's, can you imagine yeah. if they made Lord of the Rings a 90 minute film? <laughs> like, that's, like, that's what this is, right? Basically. Like, that yeah. is the wildest. Like, this adaptation, there was no version of a 90 minute Dark Tower that I think would ever be good. Like, period. No, I think that's probably true. Yeah. It's just, there's, just there's, there's too many ideas that are, too many important ideas need to be conveyed in order for the story to work. Right, um, even at if least you just anywhere like, close did like to a, how it's written, yeah. Yeah, even if you just adapted like a slice of it, mm-hmm. it would still be confusing. Because yeah. you'd be like, I don't know what any of this is. Yeah. Tom, why why did the therapist have a framed photo of the overlook? Of like an, yeah, from like an aerial black and white shot. It's just like, what could, is that? Couldn't tell you, Dave. I mean, yeah, it's just you, all right. It's just because they crammed this full of Stephen King Easter eggs because it's the Dark Tower movie, and that's like right. The other thing that everybody knows about the Dark Tower is that it references all of his other books and stories. Yeah. So Lord knows when I go to a nice hotel. I buy an aerial I, I picture of the hotel. I buy a 50-year-old aerial photograph of the hotel. And then I frame it and put it in my office to yeah. remember. Not, must have had not a really... my personal photos of the vacation. No, no. the photo of the building. He must have had a real good time at that hotel. Yeah. This is the, the one last thing I wanted to talk about here is we talked about like cinematic universe. They, they, they clearly knew they needed to do that, but they do it in the dumbest way. 
for example, having just a picture of the Overlook Hotel. Or like the code is 1408. 1408, yeah. Yeah, it's stuff like that where it's like, this isn't Pixar, you jerks. <laughs> like... Like we like work it into the universe. He has the kid has the shining. You don't have to show a picture of the overlook as well. It's like, oh, we can we can guess that the yeah, we overlook got also it. exists. Yeah, yeah. We, we got it. So it, it felt like it was done. Like it's weird because it's like I don't wanna I feel mean saying this because someone had to read these books and adapt this, but it feels like it was done by someone who doesn't really care about Stephen King. Oh, and for adapting sure. it, it felt like someone who was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll skim the book, and uh, you know, I'll throw a bunch of Stephen King shit in there, and that was it." So it's it's yeah, it just doesn't feel like it was done with much respect for the source material, and I imagine because anybody with respect would say, "No, I'm not making a 90 minute version of that." Are you are you kidding me? Yeah, this is you know, I uh, can't be done. Yeah, and so they got the person who was like, "I'll do it." And like, yeah, that person is probably not going to give a shit. They probably are either starting out. I didn't look up who wrote it. Oh, like, uh, nothing it has, against that it person. Has, it has four credited screenwriters, one of whom is Akiva Goldsman. What did they do? Oh, um, gosh, so many things. Beautiful Mind. Uh, oh, okay. A couple of Batmans. I'm not great with names. Um, yeah, so they're probably an industry person. Yeah, he's, just he's, like, a, yeah, he's a writer I'll, who's I'll been around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that's yeah. And again, nothing against that, but it tends to be those are the people who are like jumping from project to project, you know, doing these adaptations. And yeah. some of them are very good. Some of them are David Kep, but others are not giving a shit. Uh, so I, I would say I, you know. Akiva Goldsman is a David Kep type. OK, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they again, there's no writer like this is what I mean with nothing against the writers. There's no one who could have made this good. It's not, just, uh, yeah, not with 90 minutes and yeah, yeah. it's, mm, it's, it's, there's too much. There's too much that has to be included if you want to do a halfway faithful adaptation of the story. Yeah. Um, and this is, I, I will, coming back around to some of the positive things I was saying earlier, this is more faithful of an adaptation than I would have expected. <laughs> Yeah, um, like I said, the decision to make it a sequel I think was smart. The decision to tell it through Jake's point of view was smart. Um, yeah, I would say the decision to make a sequel does also feel like a disservice because again, I mean, you're right, but still with the length, like it's it's like imagining if Lord of the Rings ended with them not like defeating Sauron. And then you made a 90 minute film where they do it in like an afternoon. <laughs> like that's what it is. It's like, Oh yeah. And then he defeated him. You know? And it's like, huh? Okay. <laughs> I guess that was very easy. You know, it like, you're right that doing it as a sequel is, uh, isn't a bad idea, but again, making it so quick. Yeah. Uh, is still like, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's be this movie's bewildering. Honestly, it is. Uh, it's I, I constantly forget it exists, and when I remember, it's like, oh, sh that's right. Wow, it's, what a weird yeah. thing that they did. It's on the list of films that at any point in pre-production, if a studio exec had simply asked the average person who, with knowledge of Stephen King and The Dark Tower, like the average Dark Tower fan or Stephen King person or anybody who just understands the context... If they had just asked them, they would have said, oh, cancel that project immediately. 
You're going to lose money. Don't do that. That's <laughs> such a bad idea. Why yeah, would you even think to do that? This is an awful idea, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a really, it's a sign of the bubble where it's like this couldn't be made without a bubble of rich studio executives somehow convinced that this was a good idea. Uh, because no, terrible plan for a Dark Tower adaptation. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's. I think we'll probably find that that's the case with a lot of the adaptations that we uh, determine were bad. Um, yeah, is that well, they were? Is... Yeah, they were made in in a in a vacuum outside when it was somebody just people just looking at. Okay, brand recognition, uh, buzzy cast, uh, X number of dollars because that's what right. how many dollars a project like this gets, and so on and so forth. Instead of looking at the the story itself that they're trying to adapt, and yeah. starting from there, which it's very clear that that is not where this project began. Yeah, here's um, here's my my biggest my most damning thing to say about this. Stephen King writes such fucking weird books. He does. That every single adaptation is good or, or is enjoyable to watch, whether it's good or bad, because it's always fucking weird. Like it, a bad adaptation is still enjoyable because it's like this plot is batshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. All except for this one. This is the only one that I find boring. And generally there's, a, again, a couple scenes that I'm like, that's fun. But for the most part, I have very little desire to ever watch this film as opposed to any of the others, even the bad ones. I'll watch the Langoliers, you know, and be like, yeah, I want to see those fucking CGI meatballs. That's why. Yeah, yeah, get those beholders in there that eat time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> what, like every, what a wild idea. <laughs> yeah. Cocaine. Uh, <laughs> you know? And so, like. That's that's the biggest, most damning thing about this movie is it's you somehow managed to make a Stephen King adaptation bore me. And that is very hard to do. Dreamcatcher is a terrible movie that I love watching because what the fuck, you know? Yeah, that movie's out of its gourd. Good God. Exactly. And so it's just like it's this is so generic. Yeah. Very disappointingly so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, so this movie is mostly a disappointment. There are things about it that I like, uh, as a, as a, yeah. fan, as a fan of the story. And um, I think those things are very valid that you pointed out already. So. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a bizarre, it's so odd that this movie exists. Yeah. I, it, in a way it, it feels like it might someday never exist. Does that make sense? This feels like a movie that in like 60 years from now, there won't be like any copies of it, even though it's even digital. You know what I mean? Where there's some movies that just get lost. Yeah, this might this be one feels of those. Like, yeah, this I feels mean, like one that it's just like, we'll if, just forget about if, it. It'll just fade away. This is definitely one of the things that like when Roland uh, walks through the, the door, the dark tower at the end, upon resumption, this movie disappears. <laughs> I'm exactly. pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if we're going to reset anything, we're going to reset that this movie got made. Yeah. Which, again, is a shame because this movie doesn't have the worst. It has some good ideas. It has great casting. Mm -hmm. I think the people who made it, like, I, it's not badly directed. Um, no, all the shooting, the, the, all the gunslinger stuff with Roland is really cool. Yeah, the gun shit looks really good. The art direction is really good. It's, it's just that it, this is a case of a script just weighing it down into the abyss. And, I again, I don't even blame the people making the script because this... Movie is like an impossible scenario. 
Yeah. I blame the producers. Somebody's got to take this blame. <laughs> yeah, somebody has to take it. <laughs> Might as well be them. Yeah. Uh, and cocaine, I guess. But Sure. No, who am I kidding? I love cocaine. Yeah. I can't, it's I given can't a, say mad at you, cocaine. Given, it's given us so many gifts. <laughs> it has. It really has. Sorkin. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the last uh, waltz. Um, oh yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, Fleetwood we, Max rumors. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, are we? Do we have anything else to say? I don't. Well, Grumblebee. This, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, really enjoying doing bad adaptations. We got a couple already picked out for the future ones, and it's going to be interesting. We're going to do some that are really good, like really close adaptations, some that aren't. We're going to have fun with this this premise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're trying so, to we're trying to pick interesting ones and not just stuff that's like, "Oh, that was a really shitty movie." Or like, yeah, "Oh, exactly. that was a great movie." You know, like we're we're really really having fun with this premise. So, uh Yeah, so Grumblebee thanks, gave us Grumblebee. Yeah, Grumblebee they gave us a list to choose from and we're yeah, we're having fun with that list. Uh, so if you're interested, this was through our Patreon, patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed. If you go on there, there's a bunch of tiers, custom podcasts, but also for just $5 a month, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts. Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a maniac, Star Trek, the next Futurama and Spielboys. Mm. Uh, we also watch movies with our patrons every Friday night as sure well. Do. That's a tier. So go check that out. It's, it's real cool. Yeah. Real cool over there. We also have a store. Head over to GameFleetEmployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So, uh, you know, toot, toot the little horn of Eld and uh, head on over there. Yeah. Slap your uh, little rat man peepers on, the, on that. Yeah, sling your guns. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shoot us. Cast your magic. Uh, <laughs> Shoot us. Assassinate us. <laughs> Please don't assassinate yeah, us. Please don't do that. <laughs> I want to live, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep the tower uh, from from being toppled. Then exactly. All right. Is that a dick thing? Okay. No, yeah, probably. All right. Well, bye. Bye. <laughs>